Hi, good morning, good morning. Wow, it's great to be here. I know I wasn't here last Sunday, so I'm really glad to be here with y'all today. Um, quick announcements, next Sunday is our Seawalk Thanksgiving. Super excited, I love y'all's cooking. All right, so I'm ready to feast with all of y'all. Um, and also with that, if you would like to volunteer uh, in, our, in our kitchen, kind of get things prepped and ready, please let Pastor Charlie know. Um, that'd be great. And then Monday, so that following Sunday, sorry, that following Monday after the Seawalk Thanksgiving, we are going to decorate the church for Christmas. Uh, and that's going to be at 4.30. So if you are available, please come. We're going to have a great time. It's always a really great fellowship, and it's super fun because it's Christmas, and you just get in a jolly spirit, right? Um, also, Bible study is usually on Wednesdays. We are moving it to Tuesday next week because Thanksgiving is next week, right? So um, we wanted to make sure that people were able to come because I know a lot of y'all travel for Thanksgiving. So instead of Wednesday, it'll be Tuesday night. Um, Veterans Day, if you were not here last Sunday, I believe, for Veterans Day, we did have a gift, even if you're active duty, um, please come to me and I can give you that gift. Um, last thing is connection cards. Please fill these out. Um, if you are someone new, we would love to have your information um, just to get to know you and, and send you um, a letter. Also, you get a little nice gift from us if you turn it into the Welcome Center out in the foyer. Um, and then for those of you who want to do a prayer requests, it's just on the back. You just put your name on the front, then put your prayer requests. I know Pastor Josiah and Pastor Charlie, they read over these and they pray for you, okay? We want to know what's going on in your lives and what you need. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Will you stand up with me as I have the honor to lead us into worship today? We are going to do our faith statement and our uh, statement over giving. Um, but today, who's excited to be here? Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. God is doing something good in this house, something special in this house and the believers. I believe we are going forward in a very good way. But you know what? Today, as we go into our faith statement, let's get excited about it. Let's say it as if we believe it today. So say it along with me. We are sword-drawn, word-ready, purpose-filled. We will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, we will do everything. Not triumphantly. Hallelujah. I feel that this morning. That's exciting. I feel that this morning. All right, join me as we say our statement over our giving today. As we receive today's... Let's worship him today, church. Let's get ready to praise the Lord, all right? 
ourselves available to you, God. Mm, you are King of all kings. You did step down out of your great and mighty cross and took on human form, Father, so that we might have a Savior. And because you've done all this, you've made a way for us, Lord. You've made a way for us, Lord, so there's nothing else that we can say but here I am, use me. Here I am, send me. Here I am, God me. Hallelujah, Father. For to you be the glory and honor forever and ever. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise you, Father. Church, let's give him a round of praise and honor today. Hallelujah. Thank you. Lift your voice of praise, Father. Hallelujah. Now's the time we get to share the peace. Turn to two or three people around you. Greet them. Let them know you're glad you're here, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hello, hello, hello. Good? Good morning, everybody. At this time, Miss Martha, you have Children's Church today. Children's Church will now be dismissed. If you will meet Miss Martha, she is in the shirt with the roses on it, or whatever those flowers are. Um, probably not roses, so don't listen to me. Uh, let's, yeah, let's get right there. We'll just put it right in the middle. All right, Children's Church. And all those who are going to be in the Christmas production, please meet Miss Martha in the back. All righty. And those of you who are staying in service, would you please stand as we pray together? Would you please stand, if you can, as we pray together? Will you raise your hands to heaven? Will you raise your hands to heaven? Let's honor him. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for that time of worship that we were able to sing our own song, a new song to you, King Jesus. We magnify him with me real quick. Lord God, we worship you. Lord God, we praise you. Lord God, we praise you for who you are, what you've done. Thank you for sending your son that we will never know the cost to see you upon that cross with our sins that you bore, that we may be free, that we may be a new people walking in new life, walking in union with the God of the universe. And Lord Jesus, it is by your Holy Spirit that we live and we move and we have our very being. So right now, if there's any thought, any temptation, any philosophy or theology that comes against the name of Jesus Christ, we bind it and we take it as a prisoner of war and we submit it to Jesus Christ, the, ooh, the, ha, ha, the commander of the angel armies, that we're not just here to play games, but that today is a battle and we are prepping for the war within so we can be more like Jesus. 
Lord God, we thank you for this day. I pray that you would clear our hearts and clear our minds to receive the word today, and that we would take this practical, applicable lesson and work it in our everyday lives. We love you, Lord God, and we worship you, and we thank you. In his mighty name we say, amen. Amen, amen and amen. So as y'all know, we're continuing in this thought of union. We've been in it for, I think this is week five or six now. But the last two weeks, uh, we have dealt with loving by his spirit a more excellent way. And we said that the, the proof that we live, not the proof that we have, but the proof that we live by his spirit is what? That we love one another. Thank you, Miss Janet. That we love one another. And John made it real simple. He said, this is Christianity in its essence. Love God. Love people, but love God, accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that he sent his Son to die for your sins. Walk by his Spirit and love people. All right, that, that's, that's the essence of what we dealt with in that week. And then last week, we touched with our topic a little bit, but not, not too in-depth. But we talked about the new life that is in Jesus Christ. The life that he died for. And if you are in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We are a new creation, and praise God for that. We are a free people walking in new life and living by His Spirit. Not trusting our own, not being led by our soul and our flesh, but that we are a people living by His Spirit, a more excellent Spirit. Amen? So today we are now talking about living by His Spirit, the war within. Okay? The war within. If we can take a little backtrack back about two months when we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount, we had talked about Jesus said it's not just good enough not to commit the action, but he didn't even want the desire to commit the action to be inside of you. So he said it's not good enough not to commit adultery. He said I don't even want you to look at a woman with lust. He said, it's not good enough for you not to kill someone. I don't even want you to have hate towards somebody. And he said, and he, said he literally brought it to the point where he said that even slandering someone's, someone's name is as bad as murder. So Jesus brought it to the point that he didn't just want us not to commit specific acts. He didn't even want the desire to be in our heart to commit said actions. And so from that standpoint, from that viewpoint, First off, we're starting today, we're talking about the temptation of the flesh. Now, a temptation is anything that entices us away from the love of God. Do we understand that? A temptation, first we're dealing with the temptation of the flesh, which is anything that entices us away from the love of God. In James, he tells us that the things of the world are falling away, but the things of God remain forever. And he said, those who love the world will fade away like the world, but those who love God and love the things of God will live forever. And so the lust of the flesh, our first passage today is James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15. And one thing I want to say today is usually we give the devil way too much credit. It's usually us who draw ourselves away from God by our flesh. Can I tell you something? The devil can't create anything. He can only lie and manipulate situations. So he plays with our flesh. Can I tell you, the enemy and our flesh are allies. 
There's only two masters in this world. You either serve Jesus and the Father and allow the Holy Spirit to live in you, or you serve the devil. Whoa, Pastor Josiah, and I'm not even saying you intentionally know you're serving the devil, but there's only two masters. The devil shows himself in many forms. It may be money, it may be addictions, it may be lust, it may be alcohol, it may be drugs. He shows himself in a lot of ways, but there are only two masters. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do we see why Jesus said it's not good enough just not to commit the action? He doesn't even want the desire inside of you because if we allow that desire to fester in our spirits, sooner or later it's going to mature into sin and that sin matures into death. So Jesus makes a clear point. And this is the beauty of living by his spirit, that when his spirit come, comes and indwells in you, your desires are then transformed to be his desires. Your passions are then transformed to be his passions because we are walking in union with him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Here we have three categories of the lust of the flesh. Okay? What, what entices you away from the Father? The temptation. Three categories. Well, the first one we have is right here. The lust of the flesh. What's the lust of the flesh? Anything from gluttony to sexual immorality. It's the body, what the body craves. And can I tell you, gluttony is a sin. And gluttony feeds into other sins. Can I tell you, all of your sins are connected. Dog, you can't commit sin without committing another one. Because psychologically, you have connected these vices, these bad behaviors with one another. For me, I'm going to be honest, right? Because I like to be honest with my congregation of things Christ has freed me from. For me, my gluttony, my sexual immorality were intertwined. So when I would overeat, for some reason, psychologically, I would then later that day commit an act of sexual immorality. So can I tell you that your sin is never going to stay compartmentalized in your life? You can't have these secret sins you intentionally and deliberately do. Can I tell you, Christ died so you would be completely free from deliberate and intentional sin. What does that mean? Sin that you act upon intentionally. The sins you think about, the sins that fester in your being, the ones you can't break free from, Christ died so you would be free from habitual and intentional sin. Now, I'm not saying if something horrible happens in your life, you may not lash out on somebody. That's what I'm saying, because we're still human. We're still flesh. But intentional and deliberate thought out sin, Christ died so you would be free. So the, the first one, the lust of the flesh, those things that draw us away from God, gluttony, sexual immorality, anger, these emotions, right? That's what draws us. The second category is the lust of the eyes. And this is obsession over possessions. Does that make sense? 
obsession over possessions. It's the things of the world that you see and you covet over. You want them. What does scripture clearly tell us? Don't store up treasures on the earth where rust and moths can decay and destroy, but store up treasures for yourself in heaven. Do we see how deliberate the Bible is to pull us away from these things? But the lust of the eyes are the things of the world. They're the possessions that entice us and draw us that then take away our focus from God because we're only focused on what we can own and what we can obtain. Does that make sense? And thirdly, the last one is the pride of life, which is in essence, you are your own God. Look at me. Look what I made for myself. Look at my company. Look at my accolades. Look at my achievements. Look at my accomplishments. Worship me. Praise me. Let flatter me. Tell me how great I am. Tell me how awesome I am. And it's always drawing attention to yourself and glory to yourself. It's the pride of life. How many of us have fallen in many of these categories? These temptations that entice us away from the Father, from the Father. And so what this is, in essence, it's a distortion of your passions, of your desires, and your purposes. And so right, we're talking as believers here, this temptation away from the Father. And so what the flesh is drawn to is the distortion of the good things that the Father put on the earth for us. Do we understand after all the things come to pass in the book of Revelation and the new heavens and the new earth come together, we are going to rule and reign on the earth as we were meant to from the beginning. And so these things we are now enticed by, the flesh, are just distorted of the great things we're going to have in fullness in the life to come. So our flesh is what? Drawn to the earth, drawn to the things of the earth, but the flesh pulls us towards the Father. And one thing I want to tell you about fleshly temptation is that fleshly temptation comes quickly and it goes quickly. Why? Because it plays on your emotions. It plays on your feelings. How fast do we get a feeling of anger and then we realize that wasn't even worth being angry about? And it comes and it goes. Can I tell you, the temptation of the flesh is the same way. You may have a thought pop into your head, the next minute it's gone. Right? And so it comes and goes. But can I tell you, we as Christians, while our battle is spiritual, we also have to take practical measures in order to avoid and fight temptation. So I love the saying, don't be so spiritually minded, you're no earthly good. Because I know a lot of people who are spiritually minded but have been stuck in the same sin for 35 years. Because there's a duality to us. We are human and godlike. We were made in his likeness and his function. So we are flesh and spirit. We've been giving a divine nature, but in order to allow that divine nature to grow, we have to take practical steps, make practical strategies in our life to avoid the temptations and to battle the temptations. So those movies you watch that tend to pull you away from the Father in different ways, can I tell you, just don't watch the movie. Those TV shows that you are actually addicted to, can I tell you that binge-watching a TV show is an addiction? It's, it's consumption. You're constantly consuming, and so your inward world is set on that TV show. Y'all, it's practical things like this in the day and age we live in. We give too much credit to the devil and the demons. Y'all, not everything that pulls you away from God is a demon. 
It's usually your own flesh because we are not submitting it to the Father from the moment we wake up to the moment we lie down. Because our flesh unchecked is a very deadly thing. So we have to take practical... You Listen, one of the best things about the Bible is that it makes us analyze our very being. Who am I? Honestly, if you were to look at your life and analyze your daily schedule, your daily practices, and your daily habits, who are you? Based upon those things, you know your flesh is still battling really, really hard against your spirit with. Be practical about the things you put in place to, one, avoid. Don't even get near the temptation. If you know you are tempted by something, don't even get near it. Can I tell you, I love the example of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. Potiphar's wife comes up to him, listen, multiple times. This wasn't, a lot of the times, you know, the, the children's story is told, Potiphar's wife comes to him and says, sleeps with me, and he runs. No, y'all, it says daily she would come to him and ask him to sleep with her. So th- this, this was an on and on and on progress, progression of temptation. And Joseph said, okay, first off, how could I betray your husband? Look at all he's given me. Y'all, Scripture says that Potiphar trusted Joseph so much that Potiphar only had to worry about what he was eating that day. Joseph literally ran his entire establishment. So Joseph says, so first off, application here, look at your life. Look at what it could cost you to fall into that temptation. Look at everything God's given you. Look at your family and think about how that could betray them, that temptation you could step into. So Joseph says, look at my life. How, how could I mistreat the man that took, me at, that, that took me from being a slave and gave me, you know, all this power to be one of the most powerful men in Egypt, from a slave to power? And then he says, how could I sin against the Lord my God? But it continued and it continued. And can I tell you, I love this. The last time it happened, she grabbed Joseph and says, sleep with me, and he runs. Can I tell you, some of us need to start running from our temptation. You need to avoid it, especially those of us who are not as strong as others. Avoid your temptation. Because can I tell you, the majority of the time that we're tempted, we walk ourselves right into it. Y'all, literally, we see the trap and we choose to continue in the direction and path that the trap is on. Y'all want it practical. I'm, I'm, I'm giving practicalities today. So our, our defense, our defense against such things, give you some scriptures, our defense against the flesh, the temptations of the flesh, these outside conditions and circumstances, which then caused the war within us to start raging and battling is Romans 13, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. How much more practical could you be than that verse right there? First off, what does it mean to put on Jesus Christ? It means we identify with his death and his resurrection, with his Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us, and we allow him to mold us and shape us that we look like Jesus. We look like Jesus. But even more than that, he says, make no provision for the flesh. What what does that mean? Stay away from those habits and those hobbies that lead you into temptation. Even if that means you need a fast TV for a while. He says, make no provision for it. Don't even add time in your schedule to get near it. And lastly, he says, to fulfill its lust. Can I tell you, you're going to struggle with different lusts for your entire life. But that doesn't mean you have to give in to them. That doesn't mean you have to sin. Just because you struggle with that enticement and that temptation does not mean you have to live in it. Y'all, there are still temptations and lusts that I deal with to this day. But one, I give it to Jesus and I'm practical. 
I'm a very practical person the way I live my life. So not only do I identify with Jesus Christ and I, not that I feel free, I know I'm free. So not only do I identify with freedom that he has given me, okay, I'm also setting up practical steps and guidelines in my life to avoid said things. That may even be friends you spent majority of your life with. Y'all, I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes being a Christian means you have to distance yourself. doesn't mean you hate them. That doesn't mean you're mean to them. But you have to distance yourself to grow closer to the Father. Not that you could get any closer, but the awareness of Him. Amen? The awareness of Him. Because sometimes toxic people can definitely entice you away. And the enemy uses toxic people to entice you away from the Father. Practical. We love it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We live in a day and age that everything is against the kingdom. We live in a kingdom that is genuinely and absolutely waging war against our true kingdom. This earthly realm we live in is constantly throwing arguments. Y'all, I feel like majority of the world is now either atheist or agnostic or something wild. So we live in a world where these haughty theologies and philosophies are constantly raised up against God. And can I tell you, sometimes it's tempting to give an ear to that thing. Even as a pastor, some days, can I, can I just be honest with y'all real fast? Even some days as a pastor, I laugh at myself because I'm like, the world must think I'm crazy. I'm giving my life to this message of a man who died and rose again. The world probably thinks I'm crazy, and some days I feel crazy too. Can I be honest? Because some days my flesh and my spirit are hitting heads, and some days I'm just like, Lord Jesus, this is weird. Like some days I genuinely think that. But you know what I do with that thought? I take it captive and I give it to Jesus. So practical things, as soon as that thought, and some of y'all right now are distracted. I'm not saying I see it on your faces, but the enemy is fighting you right now, putting distractions in your head because he doesn't want you to hear this. Because he doesn't want you to be free. He doesn't. And so right now when you're having those distractions of what you're doing later, with that work assignment this week or what you're going to eat for lunch, you need to take that and give it to Jesus right now. I'll give you five seconds. Give it to Jesus. Good. Keep going. Give it to Jesus. So these practical things that we surrender our thoughts and our mindsets to the Father. Even better than this, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16, says that Jesus faced every temptation known to man. Every temptation known to man and without sin. And without sin. Can I tell you, you are not in this by yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says, you are not facing any temptation that anyone else has not faced. And he even says, your brothers and sisters around the world are also facing the same temptation. You are not alone. Our Lord and Savior even faced this. Do you know what I love about Jesus? No one can say they can't relate to him. He was a friend of sinners. He was born in the ghetto of Nazareth. That's why when they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Y'all, Jesus was born in the ghetto. Family was running from the law the moment he was born. He identified with sinners. They said every temptation of mankind. 
He can identify with every human being who has ever lived on this planet. But unlike us, he did it without sin. You are not alone in these temptations. Alcohol, drugs, sexual immorality, anger, malice, deceit, slander. You are not by yourself. And I, I love the example of Jesus being led. Isn't it crazy how the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness to be tempted. Y'all, I'm getting ahead of myself, I think. Yeah, I am. Pause. Rewind. Now we're dealing with temptation from the enemy. So temptation of the flesh. One, give it to Jesus. Surrender the thoughts to Jesus. But then take practice. Y'all, I can't tell you what your practical steps are going to be because I don't know what you struggle with. But I'm telling you, take the example of Joseph. And when that temptation shows itself, run. Run. Get out of there. Don't even step foot to the place you know that temptation could be there. Listen, sanctification is a process, but can I tell you something? Make it easy for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sanctifying you, but don't make it harder than it has to be. If you're constantly going to places where temptation is rampant and you know you're going to give it a temptation, the Holy Spirit is still sanctifying you, but you're making his job a lot harder. Temptation from the enemy. Matthew 26, verse 41, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can anyone say amen to that? First <laughs> Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, stand steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So one thing I'm going to tell you, y'all, the devil is always looking on who he can get, right? And I love that analogy of a lion who is roaming looking for a prey. But can I tell you something? It says like a lion. The devil is not a lion. He's a little mouse with a megaphone. He's not a lion. You have nothing to be afraid of, but he's the father of lies and he's the father of manipulation. He can't even create temptation for you. He can just take what your flesh is already struggling with and exemplify it. Can I tell you, while, while fleshly temptation comes quickly and goes quickly, most of the time the way I can tell it is a spiritual war upon me is the fact that it sticks. When that temptation has some extra horsepower behind it, you probably know it's from the enemy. When that thing sticks in your mind all day and you literally, whatever you do, you cannot get free from it, it's usually the enemy sticking it there. Does that make sense? The enemy puts that extra horsepower to drive it home. But listen, the enemy and your flesh are allies. The, the more you give into those fleshly desires, the more you allow that temptation of the flesh to root itself in your life, the more footholds the devil is going to have to work his way. So a lot of the times, like I said, it's our flesh, the majority of the time it is our flesh, enticing us away by our desires we have not fully submitted to Jesus and allowed him to, from distortion to perfection inside of us. Does that make sense? And so while that flesh then draws us away, listen, the further you are enticed away from the Father, the easier it is for the enemy to step in the way. Right? And so while we are never separated from the Father, the enemy does a really good job, a really good job of making us feel like we are. I don't know if I should talk about this, but, but I, I really feel like I should. On the cross, 
This, this is crazy because I've studied this, and if y'all don't believe me, go study it for yourselves. On the cross, when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Number one, he was quoting Psalms 22, which was a prophetic psalm about him. Can I tell you, the father never actually left him. The father didn't even turn his face. I know we hear that all the time, but that's not in scripture. The father never turned his face. Jesus took on the sins of the world and the emotions of all humanity. He felt separated from God. How many of us have ever felt separated from God? Can I tell you, no matter how dirty you've ever been, the father has never actually turned his face from you. My father, my father, listen, I would not serve a God that would turn his face and his back on a perfect son, nevertheless a dirty, nasty son. Through Jesus, I'm clean, but the father did not look at Christ upon the cross with his sins and say, oh, you're disgusting, and turn his back on him. No, Jesus was saying, look, humanity, I know what it's like to be you. But the father, yo, the father has never, you need to think about this. The father, no matter how nasty, no matter how dirty, no matter how lost you were, the father never turned his back and never even turned his face. His gaze was always upon you, sons and daughters. And that in itself is freedom. To know that the father loved us so much that even in our nastiest moments, he was still looking at us. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus is talking to Simon. And, he said, and the Lord says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. So let, let me tell you something. God allows temptation, but he is never the cause of temptation. So the book of Job, which is one of the most intense examples we ever have of Satan coming before, but it's cool that then there's a second reference to Satan coming before God and asking him for someone. But let's read that again. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed. What does that say? Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. One, because Satan knew that Peter was weak and that after Peter failed Jesus, he knew Peter was going to be very vulnerable. Yeah? He's going to be very vulnerable. But I love the rest of that. Jesus says that he prayed to the Father anyways, and it freed him from that. But y'all, the example of Job in chapter 1 and chapter 3 when Satan comes before God, God is not the creator of temptation, but he will allow temptation. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, when Jesus is led into the wilderness after he is baptized, he's led into the wilderness to be tempted. And you know what he's tempted with? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Jesus, you're hungry. Make bread come from this rock. But what does he do? He refutes it with scripture. He gives it to the Father. He refutes it with scripture, right? Jesus, look at all the kingdoms of the world. They will all be yours if you bow your knee to me. What does Jesus do? He refutes it with scripture. He gives it to the Father. And thirdly, he says, oh, if you're truly the Son of God, jump off this cliff. The angels will surely save you. What is that? It's the pride of life, showing yourself that you are God. I love that example because Jesus is literally tempted from the devil based upon what? The flesh. The devil's not miraculously just making these things appear. He's showing him the things of the world. So what does that tell us again? The enemy cannot create he can only lie and manipulate. Oh, they're partying in there. Lord Jesus, all right. 
Listen, listen, listen. Mm. Temptation from the enemy sticks and has to be battled both spiritually and strategically. Can I tell you, this Christian life, we have to be strategic. We can't just be like, all right, Jesus, I give it to you, and then willingly walk back into the same things we've been doing over and over and over. Traps are set for a reason, but we are given the authority and the power to get past those. James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He will flee. Y'all, he is scared. The only power he has is manipulation and lies. If he cannot keep you manipulated and you see him as he is, he has no power. No power whatsoever. If we see him as he is. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 through 39 says this, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, what are these? The kingdom of darkness, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Y'all, the enemy does not have power unless you allow him to. How long we as Christians have like, oh, the devil. No, he has no power. Y'all, genuinely, you are a son of God, a daughter of God with the very divine nature of the Father indwelling inside of you through theosis, union with Jesus. We have the power over sin and the enemy. He has none. He has no abilities over us. And when we come to that revelation of the power that has been bestowed upon us, we will know we are free. And more than that, you are not by yourself. Does that not say nothing can take us out of the hand of the Father? Because he's the one who loves us. I was going to get into Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, but Scripture tells us that we have been given all the divine power we need to live a godly life on this earth. The power has been given to us through the Holy Spirit, through his leading and his guidance to have everything we need here in us through Jesus Christ to live a godly life on this earth. We've been given the power and the authority against temptation. And saints, you are going to be tempted, but temptation itself is not the sin. You can be tempted and guess what? Not sin. But so often, I feel like in our minds, the fact that we're being tempted, we think is the sin. So we go ahead and give in to it, which is then sin. The fact that you are tempted is not the sin itself. It's when you are enticed away and give in to the temptation that it becomes a sin. That's why it says Jesus was tempted in all ways, but without sin. So saints, in this section, all I have to say is one, give it, give it to Jesus. Seek him from the moment you wake up to the moment you lie down. Jesus, this day is yours. Jesus, my life is yours. But you have to be smart of what you're sowing into throughout your day, throughout your week. What are you giving your attention to? What are you giving your focus to? Y'all, I know it's easy to sit in front of a TV. I even do this sometimes and just brain dead, right? You don't got to think about anything. I can just watch the TV. But y'all, we as saints have to be careful about what we're letting flood into our lives. Because temptations, if we know ourselves, can come from all directions. So that was outside conditions, temptations that then cause stir up this war within. We're not going to spend too much time on this, but we're going to hit some practical 
points from this. This is Romans chapter 7, verses 15, verse 19, and verses 22 through 25. Here Paul says, For what I am doing, I did not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that is what I do. How many of us have been there? We do the exact thing we hate. We don't want to do it. We don't want to be near it. And we hate it, but we do it. Verse 19, for the good that I will to do, right? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But the evil, the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, our spirit, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but the flesh the law of sin. And what is that? That's the age old tug of war within our very beings. It's we want to please God, we're trying our hardest to please God, we're trying, and what we want to do, we can't, and that which we don't want to do, we do. And so it's that ever tug and flow, and this is Paul reminiscing when he was under the law, right? He's reminiscing when he was a Pharisee, thinking to himself, I wanted to fulfill the law, I wanted to do everything God had told me, because he was zealous for the faith, but he could not in his flesh. So what does he say here? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Everybody read verse 25, just the highlighted part. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So who frees us? Jesus Christ, our Lord. We no longer have to give in to that, what I don't want to do. We can now do what we genuinely want to do in our spirits. Romans chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. First, I want to say what that first passage taught us. Number one is this. Christ Jesus has won the war. Christ Jesus has won the war. Through Jesus, we can now be free. We can now have freedom from that tug of war that always pulls us, right? Because at first it was our flesh always winning the tug of war battle. And so we are now one spirit with Christ. Christ, number one, Christ has won the war. We are one spirit with Christ Jesus. Romans 8, uh, verse 3 through 11 for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Y'all, we have one option when we have a carnal fleshly mind, and it's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Point number two, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Who does not want peace in your mind? Who does not want peace in your heart? Who does, who does not want to walk in a place of peace that no matter what is happening around you, your mindset is peace? And more than that, it's life, goodness, joy, long-suffering, all the good things it is in you because your mind is set on the things of the Spirit. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Y'all, verse 8 is crucial. So then those who are in the flesh 
cannot please God. Y'all, this, this is what's crazy to me. Even when I tried to serve God out of my own flesh, it was not pleasing to him. Just think about that. No one who is in the flesh, no matter how good your intentions, if you are not led by his spirit, doing the work through his spirit, it's not pleasing to him. So as we as Christians cannot walk in the flesh with a carnal mind because there is no capable way of pleasing him. Even if I was sinning all week in my flesh and I got up here to preach and I preached from my flesh, it might have been a good performance. But if it was from my flesh, it was not pleasing to him. Those who are in their flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of God, he is not his. It's the proof we are his. The seal of our salvation is the Holy Spirit. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If that's not a reason to get excited, I don't know what is. The very spirit that rose Christ from the dead is now living inside of me. Y'all, the, the, the enemy knows he does not stand a chance when we know who we are and know whose we are. So the longer he can keep us manipulated and these lies in and out our ears of who we are, who he says we are, not who he says we are, when he can keep us in that bondage of our past and the condemnation of what we did, if he can, y'all, if he can keep Christians from never knowing who we truly are, he won. Because you know what the church is going to look like for the rest of eternity? It's going to look like what it looks like right now. Powerless, dead, boring, no energy, just kind of a tradition we do. But crossroads, if we know who we are, I'm telling you, we become a very dangerous people to the kingdom of darkness when we know who we are. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. Why? So that you do not do the things that you wish. Because oftentimes the things we wish to do are very, very stupid. Because in my past before Jesus, I was a very defensive person. You could not say anything to me, especially not any type of critique or correction. I would lose my mind. I would freak out. And so for me, I still battle that. I still battle that. But the Spirit pulls me to love, and my flesh pulls me to offense. And it's that constant battle. Why is the Spirit pulling me away? Because it's not good for me to do that. And so he's pulling us away because the things we wish to do are not good things usually. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law because the law is fulfilled in us when we live by the Spirit. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in step with the Spirit. Well, number three is this. 
The flesh will always try to drag you back and the spirit will always lead you forwards. The, the flesh will literally drag you kicking and screaming backwards. Because if we're not led by his spirit, our flesh cannot fight our flesh. Our flesh gives into our flesh. And so that's what Paul was saying. I do what I do not want to do. So the flesh will drag you backwards while the spirit will always lead you forwards. Verse 25. If we live in his spirit, what are we talking about? Living by his spirit. If we live in his spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Can I tell you this? Walking in the spirit isn't always doing a billion, trillion, zillion things for the church. Sometimes walking by the spirit, he'll slow you down and just make you pause and ponder. Being led by the Spirit does not mean we're trying to grow mega churches or plant this and do 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 this. Sometimes walking by the Spirit is stepping away and taking a break for a while. The Spirit will guide you into what is healthiest for you, for Him to dwell and reside and grow in you. So walking by the Spirit isn't always doing more. Sometimes it's actually analyzing your life and just taking some time to rest, to have peace in your mind, to be genuinely led and walk in step with Him. Point number four is this. Sanctification is a process. Let the Holy Spirit do his work, but also make it easy for him. Make it easy for him. Listen, follow his lead, do as he says. When you, when you feel that whisper or that tap on your shoulder by him, just do what he says. Sometimes it's not going to make any sense and you won't see the connection yet. But I promise you, he's mysterious, but he works fantastic, wonderful things and knits them all together. And listen, as we allow sanctification to have its process, listen, the fruit, the fruit we just talked about will, rep will replace the weeds. Can I tell you that? The fruit, those beautiful things right here, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those beautiful things that are produced by the Spirit, that fruit that the, that the Spirit produces, will then replace those weeds that your flesh had had let grow for so long. Wrath, anger, malice, lies, deceit, lust, those weeds that have sprouted up in your soul that will then be replaced by the fruit that the Spirit plants. Listen, it's important to give it to Jesus. It's important to deal with these things spiritually. But can I, can I give you some practical, some more practical advice to fight this war? Y'all, all these things I'm telling you have produced such fruit in my own life. Because y'all, I honestly can't tell you the last time I committed a deliberate intentional sin. I have genuinely been freed and it's a miracle because I never thought that was possible. But it's crazy what happens when you read the Bible for what it says. You believe it and then you walk in it. Listen, I'm giving y'all the practical things that have absolutely set me free. Me as your pastor, my whole goal is to see you free. That's my whole point here. That's the whole point I'm here. I don't, y'all don't know how long I'm going to be at Crossroads as your senior pastor. But what I do know is I was here to set people free. I was here to preach the gospel that sets people free. That's all I know. That's all why I know I'm here. The Holy Spirit hasn't told me anything else. That's it. But listen, give it to Jesus and talk to someone. Listen. Leave the past at the cross. Uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess, it doesn't say if we, if we repent and repent and repent and repent. It says, if we confess Jesus, I confess I did that. Thank you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all. Do you understand when the Bible says all, it really means that? The Who in here thinks the Bible is a liar? No. When, when the Bible says, if one of y'all raised your hands not paying attention, I was going to laugh so hard. I was kind of hoping someone would. That's my flesh, sorry. Anyways, 
Listen, when the Bible says all, it truly means all. We can be a free people. Mm. Leave the past at the cross and tell someone, tell someone what's happening to get it off your chest and release it. Can I tell you, sometimes just talking to someone about what's happening will completely shift your perspective and set you free. Yo, there have been situations where I was fuming out my ears and I talked to my wife and she's like, is it really that bad? And I'm like, whoa, it's not that bad. And I was able to release it. I'm over here saying, God, forgive me for being angry, but I'm still angry. Jesus, I give you my anger, but I'm still angry. Why? Because I had not gotten it out. Do you understand? Our words have power. You can release a lot of hurt from the past if you just talk about it. Get it out. Release it. Get it off your chest. Free yourself. The war was won by Christ, but the battles we are meant to fight together. James 5.16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous, I'm going to say person, avails much. Y'all, we are meant to do life together. Together. Yes, give it to Jesus, but then talk to a loved, loved Crossroads family member in here. Not just biological, but your Crossroads family. Talk to somebody. Get it off. Release it. Let them pray for you, but not just pray for you one time. Let them pray for you multiple times. Let them pray for you regularly. Every time you see them, schedule lunch. Whatever you need to do, surround yourself with people you can confess your trespasses to. Listen, we need one another. We cannot be a one-person army. It's not possible. We need each other. We collectively are the kingdom of God on the earth. Collectively. Collectively, we make up the kingdom of God upon the earth. This applies for the war against the flesh and the enemy. So if you are struggling with a very fleshly desire, confess it to somebody. But can can I give you even more practical advice than that? Christ has provided victory and freedom, but also brothers and sisters in the faith to be accountability partners. Something that changed my life was the fact that I took a step, even though I was nervous, I confessed my sins to brothers in the faith, and they became my accountability partners. And I'm still the accountability partner for a couple young men who I literally have the passwords to their devices so they cannot look up inappropriate things on the internet. And can I tell you, it has helped set those young men free. Because we need each other. We, we, we need one another. Let's look. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Please, I beg you, if someone in this church comes to you and they did something you think is horrible, do not give them a stank face. Because you could actually push that person further into shame, which causes them to never be set free. Can I tell you, Christians have done more harm than a lot of other people on this planet. If someone confesses a sin or a trespass or confides in you, I beg you, gentle spirit, you are not any better than them. I guarantee if they saw your past, it might be even nastier. So don't, don't, don't. That spirit of superiority has no place in the body of Christ. We were all sinners in need of a Savior. Every single one of us. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Please, I beg you, gentle spirit. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You could fall right into that same thing. 
bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If that's not an accountability partner, I don't know what is. Someone to be with you in and out of the nasty things you go with, helping guide you and helping you put up practical strategies in your life for freedom. I want you all to write this down. This is our application section because all this is highly applicable for freedom in your life. Listen, come up with a practical strategy in your everyday life to avoid specific temptations. You know what you are tempted by the most. You know, not me. Y'all know what you are tempted by the most. Listen, come up with a practical strategy in your everyday life to avoid specific temptation. What is a practical, listen, because I'm using my own weaknesses. What is a practical strategy for me? Like I've told y'all before, I put, I put parental, my wife has all my passwords, parental guidances on all my devices. That is a very practical way for freedom from lust. Very practical. So whatever you are struggling with, those areas, those places, those friends you are constantly surrounding yourself with, if you know it's a constant temptation, be smart about it. Put up a practical strategy in your everyday life, y'all. This isn't something I try one time and give up. This is something you implement in your everyday. Make it a habit. Make practical strategies against the enemy and the flesh a habit. The second point is this. Find an accountability partner in your Sea Walk Faith family. Yeah, let, let the people around you know the nasty sides. Let, let them become more like Jesus and let you become more like Jesus. Because can I tell you, Jesus was, the, was a friend of sinners. Jesus never looked at a prostitute. Jesus never looked at a tax collector and said, you're disgusting. No, y'all, he literally had dinner with these people. Let's become more like Jesus. But seriously, y'all, I'm not joking. Number two, I am dead serious. Find an accountability partner in your Seawalk Faith family. I'm lucky enough to have Pastor Charlie, my associate pastor, I can confide in. It makes it easy, but find someone in this church you can confess your trespasses and your sins to, who then help you overcome. Number three, give your desires and passions to Christ. Galatians 5.24 says we have crucified our passions and desires on the very cross Christ died on. Give those desires. Every morning you wake up, Jesus, I give it to you. Jesus, I give it to you. It's intentional. It's verbal. Speak it out. But also confide in someone and allow them to pray for you regularly. What does this say? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Let people pray for you. Prayer is one of the most powerful weapons we have as believers. Last point. From the moment you wake up, listen, from the moment you wake up, your eyes open, you're awake. From the moment you wake up, be intentional about setting your mind on Jesus. I have made this a practice every single morning. The moment my eyes waken, I give the day to Jesus. Jesus, this is your day. Jesus, I'm in union with you. I'm walking with you. Work in me and work through me today. This is your day. Set your inward world. What's your inward world? It's your thoughts, your mind, everything you're in. That is your inward world. Set it on Jesus. Our thoughts determine our actions. Can I tell you that? What you think on is then what you're going to act on. What you think on, that's why when we talked about sin and our sin consciousness dissolves, when we take our focus off our sin and put it on Jesus, it dissolves. Because what we think on is what we act on. Amen? Will y'all stand with me as we pray and close out today? Raise your hands with me as we honor the Father. Lord God, we just thank you for this day. 
to talk about very practical things we can do as sons and daughters of God to be free, to fight off temptation, to ward off temptation, and then to walk in the newness and freedom of life by your spirit. King Jesus, we honor you today. I pray that everyone in this room will take these very practical steps and implement them Monday through Saturday, walk in here on Sunday, be rejuvenated, then walk it out Monday through Saturday. God, I don't want to have a faith that is pointless. I don't want to have a faith that only works in this building but doesn't work in Lowe's, doesn't work in Walmart. God, I want to live this in my everyday life. King Jesus, let our focus be on you. Let us fight this battle spiritually, but let us be strategic in how we also fight it through our flesh. Lord God, just guide us in all things as we live and move and have our very being in you. We love you today, Father. I pray that you would protect us and guide us, that you would watch over us. As people go out to travel for Thanksgiving this week, I just pray blessings. I pray that some family members are then reconciled back to their family. I pray that they would walk as Jesus into those households. I pray that we would be Jesus to our lost family members. Lord God, we carry the ministry of reconciliation, and first and foremost, that should be to our families. So I pray that this week as we travel for Thanksgiving, we would be such a beautiful picture of you, Jesus, that through our union with you, we look like you to everyone around us, and that even through this, relationships are mended and healed in families. King Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done, that we've been set free by your blood, and that we can walk in newness of life. We love you, Father, and it is in your mighty name we pray. Amen. We love you guys. Pastor Betty, you have food across the street. There's food across the street. Receive the blessing. We love you guys. We hope you all have a fantastic Thanksgiving.